Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Howdy, folks. Happy Tuesday. Happy Christmas Eve. We're doing a show because we have nothing else better to do. <laughs> That's not true. I'm writing, actually. No, 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 me too. I'm going to be writing something after this, doing a doing a Leaf Convo podcast as well, because we'll talk about that psychotic game. I did like 12 things yesterday, by the way. Yeah. Yesterday, I did Sirius XM, then Stick to Hockey, this show, Ranger Game, Rock Higher to Therapy. Like, it was a full day, man. Gave out more of the bracelets. We're almost out of them again. We're going to try and get some more in. Sorry, folks. Sorry, Funky. This is tan. tan. You are such a liar. It's. T- I swear to God, it's tan. It's not. It is. Every, I mean, everything you say, no. everything in my wardrobe is not gray. It's not all shades of gray. It is all shades of gray. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, okay, well, start. Start. You're going to start with something, and then we'll go on. So something that I said was going to happen two weeks ago. It's top. That's what somebody, Esmir said. It's top. <laughs> top. I thought it was top. No. Top. Okay, go ahead. I was, in, I was in like the the um, retail clothing business for a while. So well, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> take my word for it. All right. So I said something was going to happen two weeks ago in regards to the New York Mets. And it was reported otherwise. And Dylan Batansis is now a Met. Oh, I did. I didn't know that. Did we? I know you didn't know that. That's why I'm telling you now. Did it just break? It did just break. Okay. And that's why I and even Anthony knew something was up because when we sat next to each other at the game, I said, you know, if Batansis was really going to the Phillies, he they wouldn't just say it. He'd have been signed already. But he literally wanted to stay in New York and just was driving up the price because the Mets. He didn't like the Mets' first offer. That was obvious. That's all it was. So what did he, what did he end up getting? I don't know. Okay. It literally just broke that he agreed to terms. My guess, nine and a half million. He wanted ten, <clears throat> and the Mets probably gave nine and a half, and the Mets probably offered him eight and a half at first, and that's why they said, "Well, we're not interested." And from what they I knew, he was interested, right? And from what I understand, he's probably not going to pitch until June, June or July. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it, that's that. That's the thing. I could see the Yankees doing that because they have a history of you know they'll like they did with Adam Warren. Adam Warren's going to be out with Tommy after having Tommy John surgery, and he'll probably be out for the first half of the year. But they know the type of pitcher that he is. You know, he can be your sort of a middle inning guy, and uh, and he you know he'll come back and he'll do okay for them. And they're probably they they signed him to a minor league deal, but if he was you know, if it would have cost a little more, they would have probably paid it. With this, <laughs> I, you know, they're like he was on IR all year last year. Came back, pitched two thirds of an inning and two thirds of an inning, and blew out his Achilles. I would have thought the, the the Yankees probably would have signed him for like a couple million, three million. That's risky. I mean, really. I mean, well, there's an element of risk, but I'm going to tell you why they're doing it. And I've spoken to a lot of Mets people, sources. And so Seth Lugo, who finished the season strong in the bullpen, wants to be a starter. The problem is they went and signed Waka and they signed um, oh, um, uh, former Red Porcello. Porcello, Rick Porcello. When that happened, that pretty much sealed the fate of Seth Lugo in the bullpen. As a well, now, yeah. But now that won't seal the fate of Seth Lugo in the bullpen. Because when Batansis is ready, Lugo can then go back to the starting rotation. And right. that's a good and that's very good for the Mets. That gives well, them Yes, but the problem is is that at the beginning of the year, Lugo will be in the bullpen and then they'll have but, to then they'll have to extend him. Then they'll have to uh yeah, but he's out. he for whatever reason we have been conditioned to say yes, this guy has to be extended and whatever. Right. Lugo has done it in literally like a week and a half, the transition. 
Right. He's done it before. He could do it again. Now, uh, we were talking about movies, and we were going to just touch quickly on, on yeah. Christmas movies. And this isn't a Christmas movie, but I, I was talking, telling Russ about something that uh, something odd that really happened with my phone, sort of like it, it, it lost reception for a second. And all of a sudden it said the date was like, you know, 15 years ago or something like that. It was like, it was a time, like a time machine. It was just really weird. And I, I didn't understand what the heck was going on. Um, and I said, I referenced this movie called time after time, which I'm sure most people or a lot of people have seen it. It's a movie from, I think the eighties with Malcolm McDowell from A Clockwork Orange yeah. and uh, David Warner and Mary Steenburgen. And it's a, it's a really it's a really good movie about H.G. Wells and Jack the Ripper. It was, I, I liked it a lot. The funny thing is, is that David Warner and Malcolm McDowell ended up in being like having prominent roles in Star Trek movies. Um, McDowell was in one of the Star Trek Next Generation ones. Was he really? I didn't even know. There was a crossover one where Kirk met Picard. Okay. And he was like, <clears throat> he was like the the main villain in that movie. And David Warner played a Klingon, and he was actually, I think, he was another in a in another one where he was a non Klingon. One of the one of the five or six original series ones, and. The reason that they're both in it is because the director of Time After Time was the director of some of the Star Trek movies. Okay, so it's always it's always connections. <clears throat> it always is. It, it never never fails. So I just always thought that it was weird. Now talking about Christmas movies, then we'll get to. Well, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, Anthony Mangione will be joining us shortly. Um, Christmas movies. Um, <clears throat> uh, okay, I'll be the Scrooge. Mm -hmm. Um. I've seen It's a Wonderful Life for the last time. I, I don't need to see it again. Um, I've, I'm tired of the many incarnations of a crisp, of the Ebenezer Scrooge story. You know, it's like yeah. George C. Scott playing him or the classic one. You know, it was good in its day. I just, I don't, I don't want to see it. couple did it. I, I didn't even know that, but but oh yeah, it was but, a great one. Ebenezer now, I, Madison, it was great. Now I liked sort of the twist on it. I think the Bill Murray Scrooged movie that was good. Great is great. I could I could watch that because at least it's funny. Um, but there's not there are not many you know and, and people say Love Actually. Well, I'm a I'm a guy, so that's a I think Love Actually is okay. But I, I, think I think it's a I think it's a I think it's a chick flick a Christmas movie. For I sure, mean, yeah. Um, so, but I, honestly, can I'm, I'll take some suggestions from the chat here. I don't know of uh, is Die Hard a Christmas movie. If if it is a Christmas movie, I'll put Die Hard in there. But I it's mean, people have turned it into that. It really isn't. Yeah, not, not too many Christmas movies. You know, does does the uh, chairman of the Nakatomi Group uh, get uh, his head blown off? At, well, not even that. It's just it's the backdrop to it. It's just it happens to be Christmas. Right, That's all that makes it a Christmas movie. But I will tell you, on Netflix, you know they have that show like the toys that made us whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. They have that for movies, and they did one for Die Hard. And if you like Die Hard, you should watch that because there's a lot of things that you will learn from that that you'd be surprised at. You know who who was offered the part, who turned it down. Oh, no, I, I I did see I did see that. I, yeah, and then you know, I, as far as how they filmed it, like it was really interesting. Well, I thought the most funny, the most, the most hilarious thing was that they didn't tell Alan Rickman that he, they were going to let him go at a like they basically they said, Alan, we're going to let you go. Like when when he gets when he falls off the Nakatomi Plaza at the end of the movie. Spoiler alert! Sorry, folks. Right. Uh, when when he falls off, they were going to say, okay, Alan, we're going to let you go on one, three, two, one, go, and they let him go on two. And yeah. he had this shocked look on his face, and he was fine. But it was like and you know, they were like forty feet. It was like a forty foot drop. Right. They they wanted that. They wanted that surprised look on his face. Um. Yeah. I will not want the. I will not watch the ones on the one on Dirty Dancing because I hated that movie. We had you that. Know what, the one on Dirty Dancing was good though, Mike. It was. I mean, I like Jerry Orbach. No, no, but you learned a lot about Swayze, like how bad his knees were. Oh, like yeah. it got to the point where. He said, "Hey, this is like it. Last take for this scene. Like, <laughs> just because you know you can't fake it. And if you have bad knees, even though he's a dancer, he's jumping in the air and he's landing on his joints. And so 
<laughs> Drew in the chat said, I still hadn't seen it, Mike. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> I mean, Christmas Vacation's decent. It, it, yes. I but, would say it's ranked maybe third in the Vacation movies, but it's not bad. I See, I actually think it's better than European Vacation. Hmm. I think Christmas Vacation is better than European Vacation. Yeah, maybe. Now, some people think Lethal Weapon is a... Uh, it is not. It, it takes place at Christmas. Yeah, it, that doesn't make it a Christmas movie. Miracle on 34th Street is a Christmas movie. And guess what? It stinks. We are joined by Anthony Mangione right in the middle of our Christmas movie soiree here. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, um, now, I'm sorry. I, I I have not seen Bad Santa from beginning to end. so I can't Bad Santa is pretty good. I can't. I never. No, it doesn't do it for I, you. No, never, never saw Bad Santa. Okay, like my 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 favorite right now, I'd say is Scrooged. With the, I went Christmas Vacation. That's what I went with. Do you have it? Vacation was a long-standing popular. It still is in my in my my family. Um, I haven't really watched it in recent years because honestly, they've watched my family watched it so many times. I got. I'm kind of worn out on it, more or less. And 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 and, and I have to I have to say, I mean, a Christmas story, fantastic. But I'm worn out on it. I'm worn out, right? That they burn me. That see, that's the thing. I liked It's a Wonderful Life when I was eight. Right. I'm burned out. It's like you know, jingle a jingle all the way. Yeah. Nothing says Christmas like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Phil Hartman. No, I didn't even see that. It's not good. It's not good. It's kind of, again, I think in some ways with all the Christmas theme movies and kind of just, I don't want to sound like a Scrooge here, but. No, no. And, 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 and for, and for those, for, for those people who um, don't like those or like those, but they haven't, they have the Hallmark channel where they have every B actor and actress ever put to put in, 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 uh, in, in employ in Hollywood. Jack. What's that? A check is a check. <laughs> I mean, I you know, unfortunately, I I you know, I'm related to people who actually like these shows, and I I, I I'm, I'm like, it's like, well, this guy is coming to town and he's taking over the mill, and you know, he's gonna exactly the same, and everyone, it's a variation. I should say that it's a variation on maybe. Five to seven different themes, but it's basically those five to seven themes at most. Yeah. Usually involving someone coming home, somebody who's a rich guy who's coming home, or a woman who's very successful. Yeah. And, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna fire everybody gonna at the, the local guy or girl like at the newspaper, but, but he falls in love with the hat check girl at the hotel. It's like it's right. it's, just, it's, it's so like how do I put it's like. 19 it's it's like a variation on like fifth on like themes from the 30s 40s and 50s modernized slightly modernized with hair with hairstyles and See, somebody puts planes exactly the same somebody puts planes trains and automobiles in a christmas movie thing like come on man nah well that that's, yeah, maybe that's, yeah i mean like lethal weapon that's a strong no, but it's just a bad was lethal, oh yeah lethal weapon that's right it was because he ended up crashing the car to the uh right but it's just like a minute part of it look rudolph the red-nosed reindeer still holds up and the in the charlie the animated, brown, the and the animated. charlie brown christmas i'm cool with like animated movies in a lot yeah, of right. like, you feel like a kid watching them Yes, I feel like I'm not as burnt out if I'm watching those. I agree. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I'm I'm not totally heartless. I like I like the Charlie Brown Christmas. Oh, totally heartless. heartless. <laughs> Just a bit. Oh, I love that Christmas. Yeah, let's let's okay, let's start the show. Okay. Uh, hold, on, hold on, hold on. Oh, okay, okay. I just said Rugrats Christmas. They were Jewish. Come on, man. You guys are asleep. I, I didn't even hear it. I'm I sorry. Just got into the I just got into the house scrambling back from my son. It was Rugrats Hanukkah. Move on. Let me watch Rugrats. <laughs> Hello, hockey world. Today is Tuesday, December twenty fourth, twenty nineteen. I'm Anthony Majoni from Sunrise Philly Magazine. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology, and I'm Michael Agello, aka Ebenezer Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. All right, we'll start with some of the games last night. Uh, Russ, no, Anthony, were you at the Flyers game last? I was. Night? Yep. Okay, so let's all tried to complaining. Russ Cohen, you got it. Let's, <laughs> let's start with that one, and we'll work our way forward. Um, now, I you know I saw that the Rangers were up one nothing early, and that. Uh, 
Uh, Henrik Lundqvist was doing his best uh, ter Terry Sawchuk imitation. Mm -hmm. The game ended up 5-1, so obviously he succumbed to the pressure. But, Russ, take us through. Well, after going in our locker room, I posted the um, the Lundqvist soundbite on, on SoundCloud because I want people to hear the frustration in his voice because, like, that was a game where – Based on the way he was playing, and I get it, it was on back-to-backs, but even when they started off the third period, Anthony and I both noted the Rangers had good energy. So all of a sudden, the deep, you know, the Flyers score the second goal, and the Rangers' defense then changes. And Quinn chalked it up to they were just gambling too much, but I'm not going to put it all on gambling. I just think they stopped skating. I think all of a sudden they were just like, wow, we're, we're, we're behind. Lundqvist gave us all he had. We're not going to win this game. That's what it sort of looked like to me. And I think Lundqvist felt that because it's very rare that he will talk about his defensemen after the game and their deficiencies. And he didn't name anybody, but after he said a few good things, he pointed out what they didn't do. And on one of the goals, Anthony and I both noticed when Lundqvist was down and out, he was on like the left-hand side of the goal. There was a wide open net. Not one defenseman, not one forward stepped in that net to try and block the shot. It was only a two-one game at the time, I think. It was it was and a cardinal. It was a cardinal. Fred again, our, our friend and colleague Bill Meltzer often quotes uh, from Fred Shiro and taught and, and and the cardinal sin of having both your defensemen on the on the on one side of the ice. Right. Basically, it was more than just one defenseman. It was at least three players from the Rangers. Along with Lundqvist, who had already been taking out, taken out of the play uh, by on before that before that critical goal was scored, it was just you. All I could say about with regards to New York was they to me they had one they had one effective. What I saw last night was they had one effective D pairing, and that's Fox and Truba. Beyond that, the other two pairs yeah. are very very up and down, and more down than up was begun to the third period. And Trubinette didn't work out so good. Exactly. So, and, and, and again, it was vintage Lundqvist for two periods, I would say. Yeah. He yeah. was locked in. He was His angles were really good, anticipatory. It looked like vintage Henrique. And then after that, the deep, after that second goal, defense really started to collapse. And that was. And the Flyers knew it. They could smell the blood in the water. Yeah. And it wasn't, again, for, from Philadelphia's perspective, was not a good – the first period was solid. I think they, they were solid in the first period. In the second period, it was not a good period. No. At but, all. And but the flyer, the Flyers are a tale of two teams here. This is a team. At, at, at home, they're world beaters. Absolutely. Yep. And on the road. Over two-goal difference, I think, so far. There's Bill quoted – Bill had the numbers. I think it was their 17-2-3 at home. Wow. And they're really – and the goal differential, they're almost four goals a game, and the opposition's at 1.6. Yeah. They really made home ice a, a, a serious advantage for them this year. Mm -hmm. And what's holding them back ultimately, again, is they're not – as Russ has always pointed, pointed out, hashtag road flyers – uh, <laughs> that they are not quite the same team on the road. Now, they've been fortunate of late in terms of getting some wins on the road, but they go to overtime in Ottawa, you know, in, in a game that they sh should have had under under wraps much much more than they did. And then for some reason, the Senators have been a bit of a bugaboo for them in, in, recent, in, in recent games. But, yeah, they're not quite the same team. They're not as tight on the road as they've been at home. Otherwise, they would be challenging Washington for the divisional lead at this point now if right. they were even just a modicum bit better on the road. Yeah, it's interesting. What I don't get that took so long, and, and you talked about it during the summer, and I remember paying good attention to Aubrey Cabell, and then I saw him a few weeks ago, and <clears throat> he was playing great. Why was he the last call-up? Because he's been their best call-up. I think they were, again, it depended on – the parts that they wanted to kind of use. And honestly, Nick has had, based on what I've heard from a lot of people with Nick is that he would have, he would, he would have a good game and then he would have two or three games where he was either non-existent or pro or, or, you know, almost a detriment to the Phantoms in that game. And they weren't, they just at that point weren't going to kind of reward. They wanted to bring other people up and he was kind of, I mean, remembering the fact, obviously, that he was a Hextall pick, and I don't necessarily know if the current regime with Fletcher and uh, with Brent Flaw were necessarily enamored with 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 
Obey Cabell. But I think he's found this, an area with he, his willingness uh, to be to play hard on the forecheck is something that I think uh, Vigneault really, really, really. Well, yeah, it's something he can bring. And, and exactly, he brings he, – and when he's on, he's like a homing missile on the forecheck. Yes. And he can really disrupt play, and that's why in many ways with the loss of, uh, of Oscar Lindblom – you need someone to help balance out, you know, to help, help balance out the line, especially when you've got a solid defensive player, obviously in in, in, um, in Kevin Hayes. But then you're going to have JVR on the other end, who is not obviously, you know, yeah. I think his defensive consciousness has been better. It's just his, it's execution, better, but, I mean, his execution lacks, as we all know, yeah. in that area of the ice. So again, he's found an, at least for the for the meantime, he's found a niche that that's worked. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes at the when you it's you, when you simplify things, you have to simplify things when you get up to the NHL level. And he has a specific role that he has to finish here. Where whereas at the AHL level, there were maybe more things that were expected of him that he was not necessarily delivering on. Well, okay, um, consistently. I did want to say one more thing, Mike. The the other thing that was notable, and I had talked about it before the game on Stick to Hockey, was that Phil Myers is kind of on thin ice with A.B. because he's not been defensively responsible. He hits, he skates, the offense is good. But the turnovers have been turnovers are bad, and he had two in that game. He's not yeah. going to play next game. I had conversations about this with a couple of writers after the game, and and I think if, there, if they had a game coming up, like, say, today or tomorrow, I think Myers – good. there's a pretty good chance Myers would sit. Agree. I think because they have a few days in between, I think there's a good chance that you know Av is going to kind of let him play out of it now. If he is his ne- the next game after the break, he, he he's still having issues. Then I think you could potentially see Robert Haig dr- coming back into the lineup again. The, the big the big yeah. issue down the road with this is it wouldn't shock me if he did sit uh, right in the game it's after. Hard but, for this kid to learn at the NHL level that part of his game. That's yeah. hard. That's a hard part of your game to clean up while you're playing in the NHL. Yeah, wouldn't shock me at the end of the year if they, you know, at the trade deadline rather that they still have to make a deal on the blue line because you can't really count on Myers for more than fill in duty. It seems because he's not going to be able to play the way Av wants. I don't see this magically changing. Again, we're in, again coming to the fact that we're hitting January. I still feel that he needs a still a little bit of time here. If we're getting to that point of February, March, and you're still seeing the same pattern, Russ, I'll agree with you then. At right now, again, with him being in a third pair situation, um, you can kind of hide him a little bit, but you can't hide him forever. You can't right. hide him, right? Um, so talk about a few of the other different games uh, from yesterday. I have to touch on the one uh, between Carolina and Toronto because <laughs> – it was the what they de- what they uh, deemed the next generation game. They do this once a year around the holidays, encouraging fans to bring their kids. Or or I know Sportsnet will have uh, had uh, a, a young girl doing like the intro with Christine Simpson and Luke Fox, who's a reporter for Sportsnet, had his nine year old son asking Mitch Marner questions. That that was cool. And and I said, you know, this is perfect for the next generation because the next generation can learn how the Maple Leafs blow leads all the time. And, and and this is the thing. They they took a three nothing lead. They dominated the first five minutes. They chased the sieve known as James Reimer, three goals on seven shots. They bring in Peter Morazic. They give up a, a shorthanded goal. And then it was Carolina basically taking over the second period, scoring three goals in 60, 64 seconds to take a 5-3 lead. Uh, you know, I, I give the Leafs full credit. It was an extremely entertaining game. They come back. They they make it 5-4. Uh, they give up another goal to 6-4. And then they score three goals in 59 seconds, all involving Mitch Marner. Won a goal on a phenomenal spinorama by Austin Matthews, a fa- feed for him. Another an assist on uh, Tyson Berry's goal. And then he steals the puck off of the faceoff, goes between Van Riemsdyk and Gardner, scores uh, on the breakaway uh, right off the center ice faceoff for the game winner. Extremely exciting game, extremely entertaining game. I'm just saying, and I am just saying that, and, and, you know, after the game, uh, uh, Sheldon Keefe talked about the entertainment value, said, of course, um, you know, there are things that need to be changed. 
if this team is a 100-point team, if they make the playoffs, that's all fine and good. I mean, the problem is is that I think that Leaf fans are looking at playoff success rather than entertainment value during on, on a Monday afternoon in December. You want to entertain these fans, get past the first round for the first time in 15 years. But that's down the road, Mike. you got to first entertain them when they buy tickets at that game. Like, I get what you're saying. But, but you're looking way down the road. What if you're a Carolina fan? Lately, they've been giving up a lot of goals. Right. If, if Carolina somehow ends up as a wild card team, they're in trouble. They would be in trouble because I don't like the matchups that come their way if they're a wild card team. I thought they were in trouble with the fact that their goaltending is Mrazic and Reimer. Well, they all did, but they might. Brindamore has done a sp- superb job there, and they do have good players, so they might be able to squeak in. But if they squeak in, I don't know what they're in for. Maybe, they, maybe they talk to the Rangers about Georgiev, Russ. Yeah. I mean, good. I mean, that would actually make sense. It would. Yeah. And the funny thing is after the game, and, and I know because I've been, I've covered the Leafs, uh, you know, for, for a decade and had a lot of access uh, at, at the arena uh, for the last few years. There has been a thing over the last few years about Marner and Matthews playing together. Like they, they they continued to harangue Babcock about putting them together. Babcock would put them together for two or three games. It didn't look like it worked. Then they would separate them. The last two games, they've put Marner and Matthews along with Zach Hyman together. They scored two goals in the third period against uh, Detroit. They led the comeback in this game. And afterward, Keith said, well, it's something we'd look at. But what he's not saying is they don't want to put their all their eggs in one basket. If they put Marner and Matthews together, not to say that Tavares can't succeed. Tavares played with Mikhaev and Spezza yesterday. That line combined for a couple goals. But other times he played with Kapanen and Nylander. They did nothing. Um, And, you know, I think that they need Marner driving the offense on one line and Matthews driving the offense on the other line and that it's not going to be a regular thing five on five. I'm going to tell you the bigger story in this game. The bigger story in this game is for the first star, Matthew um, Tavares and and Marner played rock, paper, scissors. Now, in my neighborhood, we used to do the odd finger. We never did rock, paper, scissors. So I I would have just given it to Tavares if if it were me because I never even played rock, paper, scissors ever. But that was cute for the kids. I enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm sure that that's the way they pick the three stars most of the time in most arenas is rock, paper, scissors. In Philly, in Philly, they certainly do it that way. I've never had the pl- I've never had the honor and the pleasure to do it at the at 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 the at the Scotiabank Arena. I would love to someday, but I think I'll if I'll employ some more scientific approach to <laughs> to choosing the three stars. Um, okay, it was kids' day, Mike. Let's I know. I get. I get it. I'm joking, Russ. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> the Bru- the Bruins beat the Capitals seven to three. The Bruins score seven goals on seventeen shots between Samsonov and and Holtby. But the the main the main focus of this game from my eyes was the was the video of Tom Wilson spearing David Pasternak in the junk. Uh, and then starting a brawl with Pasternak, with Marshan, with you know the Boston police if they you know if they were yeah. I mean honestly I, I don't get Tom Wilson. He can affect a game playing the way he plays because he's big and tough and he's got talent. He's got to be a doink. He's got to be a jerk. And that's and that's what I, I think a lot of people can't stand about. Your trash can memes. Well, I mean, it's interesting because I think there was a time when spearing did sort of go away in the NHL. And a guy who brought great awareness to it back in the day was Andy Bathgate. He actually wrote an op-ed in the New York Times about it because it was so rampant in the NHL when he was there, and he was one of those star players that would be on the receiving end of a spear. And Gordie Howe was a big spearer. Like, that was, you know, that was a big move of his. It went away for a while, but we were always told by players, and is that if they feel like the referees aren't refereeing the way they want, that these stick infringements would start to come back in vogue. And you know what? It has, because now Fabry got a $2,500 fine, for a spear, and then that spear yesterday, he should have been kicked out of the game. Yeah, there was no reason for that. Yeah, it was ridiculous. 
Uh, Anthony Anthony Kennard in the chat, he's like, how many players have has Marshan speared? Well, I, I I'll grant you that Marshan's a, is is but a. Make it doesn't make it right. Right, right. 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 I made this point that Marshan is is exempt from this. Right. And I, I made this point to Russ last night when we were talking about this. It's like a guy like Dale Hunter, a guy like Linsman, a guy a guy like Marshan. You expect the spearing out of them because they're the rats. They're but but Wilson, he's a heavyweight. But at the same time, he has that he's got a history. At the same yeah. time, even though he's a heavyweight, it doesn't just because he's as the size doesn't mean he, he doesn't have the same trash bag mentality. I don't so we haven't heard of a fine yet today for Tom Wilson, have we? No, nothing. I mean nothing. the NHL offices are off for Christmas Eve. So you would have to find out probably they may have to look at it if it gets filed, and they'll probably have to look at it um Wednesday or Thursday, probably. Yeah, it's just – it definitely needs to leave the game. But I think, again, the referees could have done their job and saved, like George Paros, the, the worry and just kicked him out of the game. Like, that's a perfect opportunity for a referee to kick a guy out of the game, to take control of the game. We don't see that anymore. Right. Now, a couple other games. Um, Ottawa beats the Sabres 3-1. to one. Uh, The Sabres end the, you know, this is sort of the non-traditional first half of the season. I think most teams are at like 36 or 37 games, and half, the first half is 41. But the Sabres are one point out of the playoffs right now if the season ended today. Um, but, Russ, I, I mentioned this to you. They were operating at a fairly decent clip with Eichel playing like an MVP candidate. Yeah. And all of a sudden, because it's, you know, I mean, is he is he is he one of the best young forwards in the league? Yes. Is he an MVP candidate? I don't know. If he keeps up the, what he's been doing, yeah. yes, he is. But um, he got shut out by the Ottawa Senators. And they scored one goal, and it was a Zemgus Gergensen's like one that he pulled out of his rear end. So, I mean, that's the problem. The Sabres don't have enough secondary offense. If Eichel has a bad game, who is going to score goals? I mean, right now, Freddy Krueger, I think, is the conductor of the uh, the symphony on the Titanic. And that's what I think. Freddy? Freddy, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Ralph Krueger. I see. <laughs> and. And I think he is the, the conductor of this band right now. And it's a problem because the Sabres, I, in that game in Philly, they showed a lot of warts, but they also showed a lot of other things that seemingly are going on in this organization that aren't necessarily great. And then it's translating now into way more losses than wins, but in this league it's hard because you don't drop like a stone. It does take a while. Look at Edmonton. We'll talk about them. But when you do drop eventually, it's very hard to claw your way back. And I don't think they have the wherewithal to claw their way back. Anthony, uh, in the chat, Esmir is saying that Skinner contract is not looking good. I have to, I have to say this, and then I want to get your, your point of view on this. The Sabres had to sign Skinner because they were not going to be able to find a score in free agency that would come in. So Skinner wanted to stay there, but he expected to get paid top dollar and they had to pay it because if they let him go it would just be another sign that oh nobody wants to go to buffalo nobody wants to stay in buffalo well you know woe is me for the sabers yeah the problem is he had to overpay him to get him to stay and then kruger moves him off the number one line he scored most of his 40 goals last year playing with eichel this year he's playing on the second line last night he played with marcus johansson who's not a center and and Jimmy VC, who hadn't score, who didn't score his first goal until I think game twenty two or twenty three, so I mean that's their second line. There is your problem right there. Yeah, I mean the the theory is again that you're hoping that Skinner is going to be a driver for that line, and you're paying him in, in many ways to be the driver on a separate line. But as you already pointed out, a lot of his offensive production last season he comes with when he has a top flight center who's pivoting the line for him and helps to take that pressure off of him in that circumstance. So there's, again, he wanted to be paid. He's and there are certain expectations that, that obviously are going to come with that, but the Sabres obviously after, when you get past Eichel, it's, it, it's slim Pickens. And, and again, in this circumstance with Skinner, you know, there's, there's expectations that he has now that he's just, it doesn't look like he's reaching right now. Right now, Russ, 
Um, I when I saw this score, I immediately thought of you. New Jersey Devils seven, Chicago Blackhawks one. A lot of crooked numbers yesterday. They really were a lot of crooked numbers. In the, oh, go I mean, ahead. I'm putting I'm putting it up on a tee for you there, Russ. Go ahead. And I saw well, I saw the Jack Hughes goal, and that was nice. That for me was an encouraging move because I've seen him do that move before, where he just comes in from the corner and gets in on the net. And if he if you let him walk in like that. He's a dangerous kid, man, because he's got quick hands. So that was that was good to see, and I'm sure Devils fans enjoyed seeing it. On the Blackhawks side, I mean, if you're not watching them having a great offensive effort, there is nothing else on that team. The defense is horrible. The goaltending is good, but in this league, it doesn't matter if your goaltending is good if your defense is horrible, and their defense is truly horrible, and they're not going anywhere. They really aren't, and – I don't know when they'll bail out of this season and trade players or do what they can. But the bigger question is how many years are they going to go through this cap hell? Because it, it could go another three, four years the way this looks. This is the, this is the payment for continuously during the middle part of the decade of kicking the can down the road. Right. And now, now they're in, they're in no man's land basically with what they have with, with, with what they have. Well, this yeah. here here's the, here's the problem, and you can just 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 looking at, and uh, solutions that are attainable. I mean, trading Seabrook is not attainable because nobody is stupid enough to take that contract at almost seven million dollars for four more years. You're spending six million on Crawford and five million on Leonard. They needed they need you know for this year. Now both of them are UFA. They're gonna keep one, they're gonna let the other walk. They have I think Colin Delia is the bat is the backup playing in Rockford. He can be the backup at the NHL level, but they have eleven, they're spending eleven million dollars on goaltending on a team that is near the bottom of the league. They're, they're probably gonna trade one of them. That's one solution. Trading Brandon Sod and his six million dollar contract with a year left, even if they have to retain a little bit, you can clear some money out there, create some space. I, I think they'll probably do that, but Moving Keith, moving Seabrook, uh, trading Taves or Kane, while Taves or Kane are still effective players, I don't know if that solves anything. I don't. So the question is how much of it is also just a philosophical thing where, again, they've hitched their wagon to Keith. You know, Obviously, those three guys, they're basically, for all intents and purposes, the Chicago Holy Trinity there of, of, yeah. of, of Taves, uh, Keith, and Kane. And – it gets to a certain point where you have to make the determination of when and if you can move on and restart. And again, this is the this is the Faustian bargain that they made, obviously. But again, what were they to do when you have when you're winning championships and you're 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 close to you're close earlier in the decade? The one that the one that was bad. the fan base would have had an absolute conniption at those. Sure. But, but you know what? I didn't care about the Keith signing. That was fine. I didn't care about the tape signing. That was fine. Kane was fine. The Seabrook one didn't make sense. Right. And, and I would concur. That was that was the one that we all, I think, would agree on. That was the biggest error that they that they had made. And and Stan Bowman has got to own some of this as well because he acquired two defensemen uh, in, in trade uh, last summer and one a, a few years ago. Uh, they're all making around $4 million. Calvin uh, Calvin DeHaan's making four and a half. Calvin yeah. DeHaan at four and a half. Oli Mata at four. Connor Murphy at three point eight. I don't know if any one of them are any more than a number five. They're all number fives. That's the problem. They really are. And and, 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 and Mata used to be a second pair. He's he's at this point now a third pair. Back. They rushed him, and and his game changed. It really did. He doesn't even have much offense in his game Mata anymore. Also, honestly, trying to find that Charmelson type. Yes, really. They that's that they lost it. You know, they let Charmelson, you know, obviously go, and you know, he was kind of the unsung guy on that blue. He really was. As much as yeah. everybody wanted to, you talk about Keith and, and talk about and, and rightfully so with Keith. I, I'm going to tell you one of the in many ways. I always thought that I really saw Charmelson really as the second guy on that defense, and right. Ebrook was yeah. to me the number three. They made their choice, obviously. In this, Armelson was the shutdown guy. He was the shutdown guy. Yeah. You know what they're going to end up doing? And, and there was a hint at this already. The year Marion Host's contract is up, he will go back there and sign it for the minimum and play again. You watch. I'm. He's not, the he's 40, he's 40, he's 40, he's 40. 
It doesn't matter. He's going to play, and he'll probably be pretty good. Uh, I when you've been out of it for that long, Russ. I know, but he's a talented guy. I, mean, I get that, but it's a long stretch of time for him to be out. It I know Deal Four came back a particular style of play to boot. Well, Mike brought up when Gila Floor came back with the Rangers, I was very plugged into that, right? And I was a little skeptical. And you got to remember, Gila Floor was not great in training in the offseason. How many years was it for LaFleur between? Three. Three. three years. And how many years are we with, with Hosa now? Three. Next year. That number? Yeah. yeah. And, and Gila Floor was not a fitness guru. He just no, did it all a different, a different era. But he was smoking two packs a day. Half of That was the other thing. I think Hosa can do this, and if nothing else, he'll be good defensively. Like you know, he's going to be good defensively, no matter what you do. You can throw that guy in the PK. And it's it's more and more of a young man's game, and trying to keep up with it. And you, you okay. haven't been out, and if you haven't really been out there skating or playing or things of that sort, we don't know that. See, we don't know what he does in his off time, right? That's what we don't know. And well, honestly, there's enough people that are out there at this point right now, international media wise. If if he's out there doing something, we probably would have seen something by yeah, him. Most likely. Yeah. Um, all right. Last, yeah, I just I doubt it, Russ. We're, I mean, you may be right, but I, I, I'm, I'm very doubtful on that. Well, uh, last game, and then we want to touch on a few other things. Um, the Edmonton Oilers were leading 2-1 to one after two periods. They give up three goals in the third period, that great shutdown defense that they have, and lose 4-2 to the Vancouver Canucks. Um, Michael. Nico Koskinen proving to be the next Vesna winner there, Anthony. Seems like a slanted broadcast. I, you never heard me saying anything along those lines. No, he never said no, not you, not you. But, I, again, again, they are, they are falling off the table. Yeah. And – you know, Tottenham, right? And again, Arizona's—it's tough. Okay, not all, okay, and we're gonna go through the standings quickly here. Yeah. Arizona is ahead of them. Yep. Vegas, Vegas has got their feet under them. Mm-hmm. Calgary is playing a lot better since they fired uh, 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 Peters and brought in uh, uh, Ward as the as the interim. Um, you know, San Jose turned around after a bad start. Now they fired. They're their not coach. that far away. They're not that far. Away. I mean, this, this is this is what I mean. It's like Edmonton had this ridiculous start, and and McDavid and Drysaddle were driving the play because they're two of the best players in the league. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing there to sustain that if those guys don't score. And they had they assisted on one goal yesterday, but that was it. And you can't depend on them to score multiple goals every single game. The, the problem with them, the problem with them is. Like next year, maybe you could throw Bouchard in. Maybe you could even throw Benson in. Yeah. They're not going to have a lot of money to spend. They'll have some. And you're still hoping for all these other things to click. They still could be two years away from being good. Like we could be watching most of Connor McDavid's contract being spent on mediocre years for this club. And I heard Elliot Friedman uh, talk about this because they were, they were discussing uh, on 31 Thoughts. Uh, Apparently, when Holland went in there, he he met with uh, McDavid's agent and with McDavid himself, and said, "You know, give me give me two years to straighten this out." Problem is, is that after those two years, McDavid is what 26, 25, 26? Mm-hmm. You're about to hit, you're about to hit the the prime of his career, right? And you're burning you place around him. At a certain point, and I, you know, I'm not saying this with any kind of glee, Edmonton fans, but I'm just saying this is as a as a harsh reality. When somebody throws away half their career on an organization that's incompetent, which they have been. Now, Ken Holland is not incompetent, but the problem is he's got to undo all the crap that Peter Chiarelli and Craig McTavish, you know, had built up on that team, and they're still dealing with some of those contracts. Honestly, I think if they're not good by the quarter mark of next season, he is going to ask for a trade. I really believe that. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that, I think that day's coming. Now, or you won't hear, I mean, you, you probably won't hear it publicly per se. He won't right. do that. No, but he won't do that. They'll I mean, start hearing filter, filtering right. insiders saying that McDavid is – and then it'll happen, you know, potentially yeah. in the circumstance. It'll happen. I think by, the hear, by the time we hear about it, there'll probably be something in play. Right, yeah. and, and, and powerful enough in the league yeah. that if he says it, it's going to happen. Like there's nothing the Oilers can do about it. And I'll tell you this: if if the NHL has anything to do with it, it will be he gets traded to a major market. 
Yeah, I would concur with that. I would say probably crazy as this sounds. I mean, I, depending on where, you know. Philly, New York, Boston, Toronto, Montreal. Probably, yeah, I don't know about. I don't think he's a New York guy. I would say no, no, maybe not. I could see. Okay. LA's probably LA, yes. depending on where they're at transitionally. If they're starting to turn the corner and they look and they look pretty good, it's possible. I think Los Angeles. He's going to want to market. I mean, Dallas possibly as well. Um, I know it's below, I the line, below the line there, but there's enough talent, I think, there. I think the maybe, line. you know what? I'm going to go Vancouver. I think Vancouver. Yeah. Well, they, want, they, you know, they, they, they do need Vancouver to be a successful organization. Um, to drive, you know, like because you, 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 the the teams that won all the Stanley Cups in the West are now are now crumbling. I mean, L.A. Right. is crumbling. So is Chicago. And that's, yeah, that's yeah. the biggest concern. I mean, possibly, maybe you know, if, if Vegas decides that they want to go really yeah. and are willing to move off. And listen, I think Vegas has enough there that would probably entice Edmonton. It's yeah. just it's a divisional trade. Yeah, he's not going to go to Seattle because he's then he's going to an expansion team. No, not just, yeah, it won't be an expansion no. team. I would say again, the Rangers possibly, but again, it puts them depending on what they would offer. But Chicago, maybe if they really want to make that massive transition, but what do they have to offer in terms of? Yeah, and and and, and tough. That's and Team like you don't expect like a Dallas maybe gets gets into the mix there. The issue here is right like I would Florida, the pan again Miami in this case it's another possibility they really want to get like it, yeah. they want to get the Panthers really on the map. Florida, I can see that'll, Florida. That'll get people in. That'll get people in. Then I can see Florida. The problem with like the island is they have the players. I don't know if Connor McDavid wants to play for a guy like Luke, and that's where he he will have the say so in that. And he might not want to, but Florida, I could see it. Florida, I mean, that's where I'm kind of leaning now. I'm thinking about they've got elements there that Edmonton would really like. Yeah, and and you know, Leaf Leaf fans with your delusions of grandeur, it would it would entail a trade involving Matthews. Or, yeah, and, and and Matthews would never approve a trade and a trade to go to Edmonton. And, once, and honestly, once you've already gone the Tavares route with the sat with the with the salary structures are anyway, right. I'll it's, give you one more surprise it's moving, one. It's moving so much money, it's ridiculous. I'll give you the other surprise one. Florida? Maybe Pittsburgh if Malkin's in that deal. Yeah, but the age difference. Edmonton's going to – again, I think if they made a move on McDavid, and I can't believe – again, it's interesting we're in – as well in this circumstance as the buzzcast. Uh, <laughs> we're going to – um, You have – there has to be – Edmonton needs defense – Badly. If they can get a, a four, a, a, a legit top forward and a defenseman into the mix there for McDavid, I think you could then sell. Well, Kalen Addison could be that guy. Well, but 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 let's let's be realistic here. If McDavid decides he wants to leave Edmonton, Edmonton is not going to get value on par for McDavid. No, but they're going to get Florida. If Florida decides, let's say, in this circumstance, they're willing to, 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 to part with, let's say, Barkov and Huberto. Barkov. Well, and also, well, let's go. Let's go on defense. Barkov and Matheson. Matheson, maybe in that yeah. circumstance, you do Barkov and Matt Matheson. I think you get to where you need to get to. And it'll be a first round pick too, right? Mm -hmm. And a first round pick too. Yeah, right. that would have to come. That would have to be there and as well. And and that's what. And, and again, you if you're Edmonton, you can kind of sell it to your fan base. It's tough because again, you're yeah. losing the game's best player. I mean, yeah, they, they, it's one of the league's best players in return, plus getting something else that could help you it's out. It's tough to match up talent for talent when you're talking about the best player in the league. I mean, yeah, that's the issue. There. If it's Colorado, you're gonna say, oh, okay, I want Kale McCarr and McKinnon. Okay. Right. Yeah, and they're not going to do that, and you know. So why do that when you've got? I mean, if you're Colorado, why move McKinnon when he's in the right. prime of his career? And you already have two elements you need to be competitive. You know, in terms of your team, anyway, in terms of Stanley, as a Stanley Cup contender, you got a top one of the best young top flight defensemen in the NHL who's just starting off in his career, mm -hmm. and you got Nathan McKinnon who's in the prime, you know, approaching the the prime of his career where he's. Has as much of an effect on a team as anybody could. If I'm Colorado, I'd even yeah 
Now, Ross, I know we want to talk about Cole Caulfield because uh, already in the preliminaries for the World Junior, um, he's making noise. He was making noise in the NCAA. Now he's making noise in the preliminaries of the World Junior, and I think he's setting himself to, to, to not break records, but at least be very noticeable in the Czech Republic in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think he was up to 12 goals in the uh, in the NCAA, more than a point a game, and so that was – you know, that's hard to do for any – incoming player and now we're talking about a four goal game i know it's against the czech republic but you're still having a four goal game and they won like seven no it was germany sorry four to one game and that's a big deal he's probably going to be the top goal scorer in this tournament and this tournament will send him back to ncaa's on a high note and it wouldn't shock me if montreal tries to sign him and whatever whenever was you know um Wisconsin they'll, season ends. They'll throw every bonus that they can throw at him just to get him under contract. They, yeah. They, you know. Um, now, um, this is more. This is more sort of off off the ice stuff, but we sort of have to talk about it because it's been it's been mentioned over the last couple of days. Uh, Jeremy Roenick, who's not exactly a uh, uh, wilting flower when it comes to commentary on his on the broadcasts on NBC, and you know he's a colorful character. Um, Apparently went on the spit, and I didn't hear this. I just, I just heard it secondhand, then heard when he got suspended. But he went on the Spitting Chicklets uh, podcast and made some comments regarding his one of his co-workers, which is Catherine Tappan, and Patrick, and also is I think also had comments on Patrick Sharp and Anson Carter as well. So yeah, all three were were mentioned, but. Right, but uh, the the comments were of a salacious nature. I won't repeat them, but he was suspended by NBC. Catherine Tappan came out. Um, I saw Stephen Wino uh, from AP uh, tweet out that you know she's still good friends with Ronick, but didn't condone the comments that were being made. You know, and this is the thing. It's like I've listened to Spitting Chicklets. I think it's amusing, but the thing is, it's like the let. There is no place where you can let your hair down and say things that are no. not politically correct anymore. You, you're going to get in trouble no matter where it is. If it's if it's recorded on somebody's phone and you're talking in an airport lounge, you're going to get suspended. So, but again, but again, it does come down to and 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 this has been pointed out, and I think it's fair to say this is that. If these are comments that you make in a workplace environment or place or again at the end of the day you represent the brand that right. you employed by that that cuts your check and when you're on those broadcasts you have to realize that this isn't you know you hanging out at the bar you right. know with nobody recording anything you just chatting and saying it you are on a on a on a podcast that's listened to by a lot of people mm-hmm. On you know, on a network with 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 Barstool, which has a, a a big old you know, yeah, big old network. In this case, it's going to get out. It's going to be interpreted a certain way. Um, I get you know the idea of saying that it, it it's it, it's too PC and things of that sort. But there's certain comments that I think are more for when you're just with friends and not necessarily talking. You yeah, are right. Talking yeah. with your buddies like that. Fine. Yeah, I'm saying, I'm I'm just saying and you, if you, but you're in a workplace again. You're even if you're on your off time and not an NBC, you're still representing it. And you signed a contract with them. You signed a contract with them. So I mean, at the end of the day, the mic is always on. And what I what I equate this to is like you said, and they want you to make that show wants to make you feel like you're at the bar, but you're not, and everybody's listening. So that's a problem. But what this really reminds me of is back in the day. In professional wrestling, when those guys, because anything went in wrestling, they would have what's called shoot interviews. Right. And and so like Rick Flair would just go and do one and someone would pay him a few thousand bucks and he would start shooting it on guys that are either in the federation he's in or the one he just currently left. Right. And and he would and that information would get out there. They would make videotapes and eventually DVDs of that later on. JR's gotta be smarter than that. This was dumb on his part, and it's just dumb because if you know you're going on a show like that, you know what the reputation is, you know what they're going well, to do. Because it's again, when you're on with a couple of other ex players, I know, but you can't. And you get you get lulled into a false sense. You do. That's a security where you think you're just shooting the breeze with your butt, you know, with your buds, and it's not. It's being broadcast. People can hear it. Right. And even if it 
even if it had been considered to be sort of, oh, this is something that we joked about amongst ourselves. Right. Um, it doesn't condone it. I mean, no. it's something you do. You are, whether you like it or not, when the mic is live, mm -hmm. you're going to be heard. I have to, you know, be careful of the things that I that, that I say here. You have to as well, Mike. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, here, here's well, a good example. Here's a good example. Like Anthony and I are married, right? We don't know. I don't know if Catherine Tappan's married or if she has a significant yeah, other. Yeah, she's married. married to Jane. Married. Okay. It's very possible that, you know, her husband got mad hearing that and, and would have every right to. And then that causes a situation. She didn't even want to be a part of that. Right. She gets you know? into this thing because, and that's the thing you have to consider. And the host, I think, have some level of responsibility. They do. And, and but they don't on that show, but they should. Right. And that's, but. You know, that's what they're, I hate to say it, it also goes back to who they are, and I'll be the first one to say it, not a fan of Barstool, and I know yeah. this is what they, this is what drives their engine. This yeah. is their stick, yeah, the, and, right, but, all right, uh, just to quickly do an overview here before we end the show, um, look at the, looking at the Western Conference standings right now, Central Division, the Blues are leading with 54 points, 24, 8, and 6, so much for the Stanley Cup hangover. Uh, Colorado at 49 points, five points behind them in second. Winnipeg with 44 points in third. Uh, Dallas is tied with Winnipeg at 44 points in the first wild card. Nashville at 42 points just outside of the wild card. Pretty much what we expect, although I continue to think that the both wild cards are going to come out of the central. What do you, uh, Russ, what do you think? I think that's possible. I, I think right now, even though we're almost at the half season mark, I think a lot's going to change. I do. I think Nashville's a better team than Colorado. I do. And Nashville has games. Has They're built for the playoffs, though, and the regular what? season. Nashville's built for the playoffs. They're built like St. Louis, but in the regular I season, sneak in though. I think they're good enough. Yeah. If they if they sneak in as the second. It'll be dangerous if they sneak. If, in. if it's like them in St. Louis. That'll be a knockdown drag out. Oh, yeah. Those six or seven. That's a heavy, that's a heavy series, man. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, in the Pacific, Arizona and Vegas are tied at 46 points. Uh, Edmonton at 44. Calgary at 43. Vancouver at 42. Um, I, I expect, I didn't, ex I expected Arizona to be improved, but not first in the division, but the Hall deal, I think. You know, lose them really into into the into into that upper where you can say to yourself, okay, this team is legitimate now. Right, they are, but losing Kempner hurts them though. Ronta every day, I'm not a fan of. Yeah, yeah. and that's another possibility of another team that could be looking for goaltending help in the future. Yeah, um, but even then, he's you know. I think there are. I think there's a lot of goaltending out there in terms of like you know, Craig Anderson looked really good last night against Buffalo. He's a he's a he's a, uh, a he's a rental. One of the one of the Chicago goalies is a rental. There are there are veteran goalies that can be had. It's gonna the teams are gonna have to retain salary for them the things to work. But I I think like if Colorado loses faith on Grubauer or they, there's an injury or if Arizona needs to back up Ranta if Kemper is out long term, there are goalies out there. So. Yeah. Um, in the East, uh, Boston leads the Atlantic at 53 points. But they've been spot. But they up, but up until last, their game against the Capitals, they have been sputter. They have been sputtering a bit. Yes. Yeah, but they. But they've got. So, they got up to such a ridiculous lead that they you can you can grant them a little bit of leeway with that. Right. Toronto is in, in second place, surprisingly, at 44 points. Montreal, third place with 42. Uh, Florida and Buffalo are at 41. Tampa Bay at 40. Um, the, all three of those teams are on the outside looking in of the playoffs. Um, the team, I think, again, that I think they're stalking right now. Um, this is the thing, Anthony. They've almost used up all their games in hand. They're at 35 now. Yeah. Yeah, making ground. The thing is, again, the games that they want. I know their their, their differentials are plus thirteen, which is better than you know, which would put them in line potentially. But they would be one of the weaker teams getting in. Like Montreal's at a plus four. Right. They've had you know ups and downs all season. Montreal. So if I'm looking at that in that circumstance, if if Tampa's going, can they get past Florida? Can they you know climb past Florida, who's at thirty six? I, I think they can climb. Certainly, I think they can climb past Buffalo. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely can do that. Florida is where it gets 
interesting. That's where I think that's where the battle lies for Tampa to climb back in it, and they need other teams to, to fall back. I think they'll leapfrog Buffalo, but it's going to be trying to get past Florida and getting potentially and hoping maybe that Montreal slips a little bit and, and gets them into that spot. I'm going to give a name that I think is going to be out there that we're not really talking about, but it just sort of hit me, and I could be wrong about the salary situation, but I don't think I am. You know, we all talked about Vatanen with the Devils, that he'll definitely be out there. But I think Gusev is on a one-year deal. Uh, I think it's two. No, it's a multi-year deal on that. It's a multi? We would, would have gotten him on board to move over there in a trade if they didn't have yeah. that lined up. Oh, two. Okay. Then they, yeah. He's at a minimum. It's a multi-year deal. Okay. How many years? I have to check. But definitely they, won't, they won't trade him then. Okay. Oh. No, no, but uh, no. The the one thing about about the Atlantic is Toronto, Montreal, and those three other teams. They're all behind the two wild cards, and by you know, but Toronto's only two points behind Pittsburgh yeah. and Carolina. Now, okay, Metro, Washington fifty seven, Islanders forty nine, Philly forty seven, Pittsburgh, Carolina forty six. Then it drops to Columbus at forty. So yeah. I think there's there's your line of demarcation. Those five teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll be battling for the top three and wild card spots. The, the the Atlantic has started to catch up a little bit, but it's still not at a point where you're going to feel comfortable to say that you think uh, one of them is necessarily going to pip one of the Atlantic teams. Now, again, Carolina's been yeah, up and, and, down, and I have my concerns about them right now. And I can't, I can't hung in there really well with Crosby being out, um, but. Yeah, there's a team that I think could potentially get – again, Carolina had some big games here. They're a, I know they're a plus 22 in the goal differential. Again, it's just – the Metro is what it is right now. It's an absolute buzzsaw division and remain and has remained that way. And I can't believe Pittsburgh has stuck in this without Crosby. Yeah, and then yeah. and before. Yeah, it's, been, it's been pretty great for them. Hey, let here's a fun thing to talk about, Mike. NHL.com got all their writers together and they voted on who they think will be in the All-Star game. Okay. So – it looks like now. What remember the cap? The captains are Ovechkin in the in the uh, in the Metro, Kucherov in the Atlantic, I, I believe. Uh, McDavid in the Pacific, and uh, in the Central, it was McKinnon. Right. So what's interesting here is they have voted just one Philadelphia Flyer on, and I kind of think there's two. Pro. I, Pro- I think Kucherov should be. The other one's Konechny, but I think Provorov should be. Okay. Um, Like they have Seth Jones, Dougie Hamilton, John Carlson. Like, honestly, I get Dougie Hamilton has the points, but Provorov is a better defenseman than Dougie Hamilton, and he's almost – He's probably not that far well, away. This operating yeah, Hamilton got off to, as you stated, Hamilton got off to a tremendous start offensively. In an all-star, when you start getting the all-star votes here, Russ, and you know that's going to be one of the biggest now, areas of focus. Here. Both Islander goalies, both Islander. Yeah, goalies. that's that's dumb. Because, but see, this is the thing: if this is operating under the typical all-star rules, where you have to have one representative for each team. And you can make a case for Thomas Shabbat and Anthony Duclair making it, but one of them is going to make it because Ottawa is not a playoff team and only one player is going to make it from that team. So who do you pick? I I would say you pick Duclair because Duclair is their leading scorer and he's playing – and or, one, well, one of their leading – it's either him or Pajot. Um, But, you know, you're playing a defenseman 35 minutes a night. I mean, it's a tough it's choice. Shabbat, that's it. I mean, yeah. if you're going by all merit, honestly, I would say Shabbat. Okay. Just about against Duclair, having a great year, um, but but if if you're asking me to pick one or the other, they've got two. They've got two. They have nothing on that blue line without Shabbat. Yeah, Yeah. they've got got two Leafs and Anderson and and um and Matthews and Matthews. And you know what? If the if the the Leafs were telling the truth, they don't want Anderson going to the All Star game. Sure, I agree. They want him resting because The the other thing is. Huberto over Barkov? Like, they have Huberto on there. I know he's having a really good year, but... Are they looking at that positionally, like, too many centers? But it doesn't matter. Like, you could put these guys anywhere. It's an all-star game. Right. It's meaningless. I know. It's just... This is my whole... I'm not even going to get into my thought on all-star games at this point. Well, no, it's because it's with it's along with mine. They're a waste of friggin' time. They're, they're you know, it's... it's just, it, makes for, it makes for good about five minutes of discussion on our show here. Uh, I do. I will tell you this. I, I do give the guys credit because they do... They do have Kale McCarr on there. 
Well, oh, gee, what a shock. No, 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 but Mike, it's not that many. You're only talking three defensemen from that division, mm-hmm. and they've got Makar in there. And that, yeah, and there's some damn good. There's <laughs> some really, I mean, talking, it's Yossi, Makar, and Peter Angelo. Like, that's, there's some big competition there. Yeah, yeah. No, at that they're all three are solid guys, but I, you got others there too that you I, I they may be the team to beat because listen to this team. The one that they voted on on at the office was Kane, McKinnon, O'Reilly, Perron, Shifley, Eric Stahl, Yossi McCarr, Peter Angelo, Bishop, Hellaba. Uh Nick put that put that vote in. That may be the, the winning team. If that team were to be assembled. I'm not sure you could beat that team. I mean, I think that uh, in the Atlantic, the goalies should probably be Price and R- Price and Rask because Vasilevsky's not had a, not had a good year. I mean, the only reason I think they're choosing Anderson over either one of them is because Anderson has all but one victory. That you know, he you know Hutchinson has one victory and 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 Anderson has 19. So, but if if there's a way for the Leafs to uh, pleasantly decline. Anderson going to the All-Star game, I think they would do that. But anyway. Well, they could always say he's hurt. Yeah, that's right. He's got a he's got a torn groin. His thumbnail. Yeah. So, okay. Love him. <laughs> All right. We'll end it there before we get into more trouble. Uh hope everyone has a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and all that stuff. We'll be back on Thursday with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast for Anthony I Lucas, Lucas will be on that show. So we, um, he's our resident lead guitarist slash hockey guy. Okay, so he can he can give us he can give us his opinion on who the better guitar guitar player is. Steve Howard is Howard Steve Hackett. Well, you got to remember he he plays a flying V, Mike. So he may choose neither. Okay, so, he go, so he's going to say heavy metal. Rick Rick Emmett or Eddie Van Halen. He may go that way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for Anthony Mangioni, for Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for watching. And remember, without the... Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.